and welcome to a brand new podcast called Well With My Soul. It's all about spiritual and emotional health. My name is Bern Leckie and you might know me for being chilled. I made a radio station called Chill. It helped a lot of people chill. It was very good for emotional health. And I'm also part of a church, which you should expect is good for spiritual health, connecting with God and stuff like that. Now, if you're anything like me, you might want to project to the world that you are well on top of all this, including all your emotions, and everything is just fine, nice and chilled, except uh, when it's not. And for me, a lot of the time, it's really not. Chilled on the outside, raw on the inside. Do you know that feeling? Hmm. Well, if you do, today's episode of this podcast is for you. I talked with Owen Lynch, the co-lead pastor at Seven Vineyard Church, about this because spiritual and emotional health and how they're linked together is a huge passion for him. And you're going to hear us chat about why we can end up feeling different on the inside from how we look on the outside and what we can do to start to fix that and why that is good for our health and our relationships. And we're going to start to look at a journey that we're going to go on together over the next few months in this chatty podcast form so we can all get more healthy if we want to, for real. Now, Owen is a church leader, very, very nice and chilled he is most of the time. But I wanted to know, is there anything which sets him off that brings out his hidden from the inside out. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Almost on a daily basis, you know, I um, I drive from my house. You know, someone might cut me up like they did uh, this morning, and my instinctive response is to get frustrated with them for doing that, and uh, want to gesticulate in some way. You know, kind of make them realise that you know they've annoyed me. And you know what's going on there sometimes confuses me because I'm a bit like, why did I just get annoyed with that guy, you know? Uh, and then I remember I'm a, I'm a lead pastor of a church and I think, oh, the shame and the guilt around that kind of just kind of flows from that place. And it's like, yeah, this is not how a lead pastor of a church should really behave. And so, you know, there's this inconsistency I see almost on a daily basis in my own life. And so the question I asked myself uh, particularly during lockdown has been what is the connection between emotional and spiritual health because I think there is a strong connection I've been thinking about this probably for more than lockdown probably uh, I reckon the last two or three years and I think the conclusion I've come to is that we can't speak about spiritual health without talking about emotional health there's a guy called Pete Scazzaro who wrote a number of books, but the first one was on Emotionally Healthy Church. And he is a church pastor in New York, and he spent a lot of time struggling with this tension between not being emotionally healthy, but presenting a, a, a veneer, a facade of spirituality. Uh, and he suggests, after wrestling with this and going through several breakdowns himself, that our spiritual health is determined by our emotional health and that our spiritual health will never outpace our emotional health. Bernard, I don't know if you've ever noticed, because you've been involved with church for a couple of decades at least, haven't you? And yes. um, I don't know if you've ever noticed that people can attend church for years and years. And I'm, I can think of myself, and I'm sure probably you would share this yourself. It doesn't always seem to make them into better-natured people. Well, I can relate to that. I mean, certainly for me, 
I know that there's sometimes a difference between the person I'm hoping people will think I am and the person that kind of under the surface I, I know I am. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's stressy sometimes. That's just stressful in itself. Yeah. Why do we feel that? Well, it, it's because we have this ability to present ourselves to other people in ways that aren't actually reflective of what's going on on the inside. There's this great story that Jesus tells and he's talking to the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were, they were the, like the premier religious people of the day. They knew the, the Hebrew Bible inside out. They knew the law of Moses inside out and they prided themselves on keeping the law. And in fact, everyone else in their community and society was kind of in awe of them, kind of a bit scared of them really because they were, they were perfectionists. They were incredible. They were the purest in religious terms and ceremonially the purest people in society. However, Jesus has some really, I mean, Jesus had a quite a lot of uh, critical words for them, but Jesus had some particularly critical words for them. It's recorded in Matthew 23, where he says, woe to you, you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Tell us what you really mean, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, on the okay, outside, <laughs> you appear as people who are righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The idea that Jesus was meek and mild is, is kind of a fallacy. <laughs> Jesus was brutal uh, and harsh and, and, uh, and says it, said, he said it how it is. And, and he had the ability to see, I think. And I think, you know, uh, that that's true for many of us. We have this ability to present ourselves to other people in ways that don't reflect reality. And I, I think for me, that concerns me as a leader of a church. I'm concerned about that because I see that in my own life. And I rather suspect we might be trying to cultivate that, not deliberately, but almost in, in a way that is an outworking of habits and, and traditions that we've just we just don't question i agree i mean I, th I think of church as a place that ought to be nice yeah and therefore i will be as nice as i can <laughs> right and i would hope other people will be nice yes. and if other people aren't nice then it's not nice not a nice environment is it and i think what uh, i notice uh, about this situation that we find ourselves in that where we we talk about church is where you've got groups of people who self-identify as christians who, um, let's be honest, uh, Christians are often identified as people who are moral and upright and have a code of ethical conduct, which is quite strict, if you like. I think there's this sense of when, a, when someone who calls themselves a Christian talks the talk and talks about having morals and ethics and, and, and possibly even judges other people by those standards, but then is somehow found out that they're actually not consistent, living their life consistently with those ethics and standards, then that creates this accusation of hypocrisy. And of course, it's not just an accusation, it actually creates a lot of hurt and pain because the reality is, is that we see this in all walks of life, don't we? Someone we look up to yeah. and suddenly we find out they're not quite what we thought they were. <laughs> and um, and that you feel let down and you feel like there's a, a bond of trust that's been broken mm. because there's this lack of consistency between what's going on on the inside of the person and the, and the person they present to the rest of the world and there's a word that that captures this and, and that word in my mind is integrity oh yeah it, i what you see on the outside is what there is on the inside 
it's integral, it's whole. So, the, so the, the big question I've been asking myself is, am I the same person on the inside that other people see on the outside? Does that make sense? You very, yeah, that makes loads of sense. And I think, to be honest, it's nice to think about it in terms of a church and the body of people, but the first place I can... I realise I could probably fix or do something about it is really me. Yeah. So what are the sorts of things that could help with bringing the nice churchy person I would like to be <laughs> actually really together, more together with the person that I am inside? What, 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 what kind of things help with that? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. You know, anyone that's done counselling or sat with a counsellor will probably be able to answer that question. I don't know about you, but... I've never really sought the help of a counsellor in my life, to which I feel like I've missed an opportunity here, really. Because what counsellors offer us is the opportunity to get real uh, and talk about what we really feel inside. Now, that doesn't have to be a professional counsellor. Um, if we are willing, we can actually find that level of openness with other people. But I think the first step is awareness and becoming aware of what is actually going on inside of you. Because I don't know you, but I, I don't even know what's going on inside of me. And that seems weird, right? I'm not even sure I know myself particularly well. And so how do I become aware of what's going on inside of me? And how do I kind of do that? Well, one way is to start to talk with someone else that you trust and to make yourself vulnerable with that person. Vulnerability is something we don't see a lot of in our society, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but when was the last time you were vulnerable with someone about something that was deeply personal to you? Well, I have to make a decision to do that. <laughs> you know, that really happens within friendships. Yeah. And it happens with my wife. Uh, but it all, I'm trying to cultivate more friendships basically where we've decided between us that we will do this with each other so yeah it, it, it does feel like a kind of a an effort i'll be honest to bear a bit of my soul yeah and and, and be honest with people and and but it's also liberating at the same time that's really interesting what can i ask you two questions what is it that's hard about being vulnerable with someone else for one thing i'm not entirely proud of myself right if, if i'm honest with myself there are silly little things that lead to big annoyances and sometimes that's just like getting angry in my own private space and sometimes it impacts my relationships as well like you know i, I won't be the best dad i can be because i'm fuming about some nonsense to do with a like a bill or something I've been overcharged for. <laughs> by, by, you know, it was, it was like 30 quid too much. Ah! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and that's getting in the way of me being a dad because dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that just feels wrong. And why would I want to, to burden other people with that? <laughs> well, the benefit of that is that I think there is stuff that other people can then help me see that can really fix that. You know, that's a real thing that I would like to be better at. Yeah. If I can get better at dealing with the little things, that can help Yeah, me do the big things, the really important things. So, yeah, that's that's why I would want to do it. But it does feel like a struggle, just partly because I think, well, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um, second, I'd, I'd like I'd prefer people to think better of me in the first place. Right. We, we're a bit, get a bit embarrassed and actually we carry shame 
um, around with us, which actually prevents us from being open and vulnerable with other people. We're worried about what they think about us. And uh, for me, that's definitely been the case. I'll tell you a story, Bern. You know, when I, when I was small, a small boy, I was four years old, and I had German measles. And I think my mum my, my always insists that that caused a, a strabismus in my left eye, which caused my left eye to wander and become weak. And uh, as a result, um, my eyes didn't actually point forwards together. That One was always looking off to the left or the right. And uh, um, I had an operation which t- corrected that as I was about four years old. But I was quite short as a boy. And what, along with the strabismus in my eyes, I, I think I was quite... Uh, well, embarrassed about my appearance, really, and, and uh, you know, just aware that I looked a bit different. And so I, I think in, I decided I was going to, like, try my best. I was going to try and be as popular as I could, regardless of what I looked like. But in deep down, I was really carrying this kind of embarrassment and shame, really, about what I looked like. And um, it, it kind of changed me a little bit. I, I became really committed to becoming this kind of successful person in spite of my uh, weaknesses. And, um, and so therefore, I was super competitive. I was really competitive with my friends. Um, and and that, that changed as I grew older. It kind of multiplied out, scaled out into different parts of my life. So my friends would say I was super competitive and that was fun. My colleagues at work would say that I was a pain in the ass because actually I was always trying to outcompete them. Um, if someone who I was competing with, uh, it, you know, kind of um, was successful, I felt crushed. Mm. Uh, if I was successful um, and 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 they weren't, I was pleased that they weren't successful. You know, I wasn't particularly. I was, this was all going on inside, by the way. Uh, but it kind of found its way out, I'm sure, in, in the way in which I treated other people. I also idolized people that were successful. So I would try and attach myself to them quietly and, and kind of try and connect to their success, even though I probably didn't have very much, very much part in it. Um, and then, but the, the horrible thing was I would, I would distance myself from people who I didn't think were successful. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't connect with them emotionally. I would, I would try and distance myself. And and this kind of ha- those kind of traits and habits kind of all scaled out from this kind of competitiveness, this de- desire to achieve at all costs, and this desire to be known and not be hindered by my my uh, my what I felt were my own weaknesses really. And I did I wanted to hide those weaknesses. Mm. So for me, um, I think we we carry stuff in our in our inner life that we are unwilling to share with other people and yet other people still see it they see it but they see the outworking of it rather than seeing it you know up front so i think yeah i think the first step uh in terms of understanding um your emotional health is is about is trying to become vulnerable with other people because in the process of being vulnerable with other people you start to see yourself more clearly very interesting that then leads on to the question of where is a good place to have those sorts of relationships where you can be vulnerable and and it not feel like you know too much of a burden on other people or on yourself and and i think church really ought to feel like this sort of place it just doesn't always um what would you say an emotionally healthy church looks like well that's that's a big question um but what we're finding here at Seven is that the place where people can share vulnerably is usually a small group, 
like it's it's not in a large group um and by large i mean like 10 12 people actually it's it's in a much smaller group where there is time and trust um to to and, and if you like a commitment to a co the common goal of being vulnerable with one another that that's the place where this works so the model we've kind of come across uh if you like stumbled across is what we call triplets although it can be groups to say three or four people and and since lockdown started i've been meeting with uh three other guys uh, once a week for an hour on a tuesday evening and we've used um online communication tools like zoom uh, to make that possible and before each hour that we share together on a tuesday we email each other or on a whatsapp group one sentence answers to four questions and those four questions are what's gone well in the last week where have i got stuck or triggered emotionally in the last week what else is getting my attention in the last week and what am i going to lean into next week and just the discipline of pausing before we meet up and 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 actually writing the answers into whatsapp uh, for one another to read is a wonderful reflective exercise which starts to get us thinking in ways that we wouldn't ordinarily think if we didn't do that. And then what happens is we write the answers down and then we each have 10 minutes to be interviewed by one of the other group. Kevin might ask me about those four, the answers to those four questions for 10 minutes and I just get the chance to, to answer those. And he'll take the opportunity just to help me funnel down into what's really going on that week and ideally with an outcome at the end of it. And what's really interesting is is that once once one person shares vulnerably, it encourages the others to share vulnerably. And we got into this habit early on. And so as a result, we've gone through the lockdown sharing job losses. Uh, two of us have lost um, our fathers in this last two year period. We've gone through the, the, the hardships and the struggles of, uh, of the pandemic and the lockdown and the impact on our families and our community. And we've shared all that week in, week out, only for an hour, once a week on a Tuesday evening. And it's been incredible. We've reached levels of trust and vulnerability and self-awareness that we hadn't previously experienced. And what was really cool as well was that the often repeated phrase, do you know what? I would never have thought about that if I hadn't have had this conversation. That's, that's really helpful. And yeah, that kind of, oh gosh, gosh, I, I realized something about myself that I hadn't realized before. It's been profound. So I think you know, that example gives you an indication that actually in much smaller groups of people, two, three, four people, actually you can actually achieve levels of vulnerability and openness uh, in, in a fairly short space of time. And it's been wonderfully life transforming, particularly doing it on a weekly basis. That sounds really exciting. And well, I know it's good from having joined in and, and done some of that at Seven as well. And, and it's a profound relief to me, to be honest, to, to, to know that this is something that's the real thing that we can do in like small, really small groups and relationships and growing real relationships rather than expecting every chat over every coffee to, to involve, you know, what's, what have I been most ashamed of this week? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's so true. That's a, that would, that would feel awkward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Still, I'm, I'm very much still a work in progress though. So what's going to happen in this podcast series uh, that could be helpful? Right. So this podcast series is, is uh, based on a talk series that I've done. We've called it Emotionally Healthy Church because what we've really said is, is that 
what does it look like for a community to be emotionally healthy? But it's a bit more focused than that. The question is, what does it take for us all as people to be emotionally healthy? Because we recognise that our spiritual health will never outpace our emotional health. So we've been looking at six areas that we've focused on. We've just kind of broken it down into six areas. Really asking ourselves the questions about our past. How does our past influence the people we are, right? We're then going to be looking at our limits. We often are told, particularly kids are told, you can do anything. Now, of course, we all know that's not the case. It's our lack of awareness of our limitations that actually leads us to make poor decisions in life. Uh, The next one is embracing pain and loss recognizing that actually um, for all of us we will suffer in life if there's one constant in life it is that we suffer Um, it may be that we have a a health problem that severely affects our mental and emotional well-being good emotional health is predicated on understanding how loss and pain is affecting us and how it shapes our life so we're going to be looking at that and trying to understand the ways in which loss affects us and how we deal with that. We're going to look at embracing vulnerability and weakness and actually asking ourselves, how do we live and be comfortable in a place of discomfort? Which might sound a bit like it's counterintuitive, but how do we deal with our insecurities and deal with our weaknesses and actually live in that place? So yeah, there's loads of areas in which we can address. There's probably much more than we, we've even begun to think about in this, uh, in this talk series. Brilliant. So it's not going to be quite the conventional kind of audio book uh, where, you know, he's going to tell you a bunch of stuff. We're going to have some times where we kind of go through some thoughts a bit like an audio book, but then have other episodes in the podcast where we discuss them with other people and and you can be part of your listening you can be part of this discussion as we're trying to process it for real have, have we got a big box of kind of neat answers no <laughs> what we're looking for is to ask questions uh, and the reason for that is because um what i've realized in the last three or four years and i think probably we all instinctively know is that this is a lifelong experience this is a lifelong um journey like emotional health is something that we manage it's not it's not a kind of we achieve it we do a course right got that sorted i'm emotionally healthy we just like our physical health our physical health will ebb and flow and so will our emotional health and therefore so will our spiritual health and so it's about uh, managing our emotional health it's about understanding the uh, the factors that affect each of our unique stories and everyone's different so it because of that we are we've invited uh, just a panel of people to join us um uh, throughout this podcast to help talk about these these ideas and then see what difference it makes in their own life and I'm, we're hoping uh, with a cross-section of people um we're going to be able to uh, you'll probably find some stories that you relate to yourself good so it's not going to be all preachy no not at all that's important (laughs) uh but i I really love that we're trying to share and be open about uh, some big questions that we're all processing and and we can share that together we can we can go on a journey together hopefully that will help you as you're listening and uh, and and come and bounce back to us come and tell us what you're what you're struggling with or what you're interested in or what you want to find out more about that would be really good I and mean, just to f- finish as we're imagining that someone who's made it all the way through to the end uh, of the podcast well done thank you thank you for being with us um is thinking 
maybe is there a friend I should tell about this? What are they going to think of this? Who should, who should I, who could I maybe recommend this to? What, what, what could we suggest? If you listen to this and thinking, who's this for? I'd say it's, it's for you. It's for anyone who wants to become more emotionally healthy in their life and generally live in a more contented and peaceful life. Uh, it might be your spouse or it might be your best friend or it might be um, someone that you've, uh, you know, you've shared a bit of experience of life with and you know that they can be trusted and you, you trust them and that they would trust you. And it, yeah, it'd be great to grab someone and go on the journey with them. Brilliant. Well, if that sounds exciting to you, hopefully click subscribe, follow us along wherever you find podcasts. We're going to put out one every week and uh, it'll take us about four months, I think, till we get to the end of this series. And, and we're really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to the journey. Yeah, me too. So we'll see you next time.